now. But 3.0 is um, effectively taking operational HR into a more strategic direction. Today, we're talking all about HR 3.0 and how you can use HR for strategic purposes. This includes looking at behavioral science, looking through personality profiles and how you can use them effectively, how you can get buy-in from the team to make this effective, and some of the latest trends in HR that can really help startups that are trying to grow right now. We've got with us our expert, Rani Ahmed, who's the head of HR at Jolson. They're a law firm that specializes in helping founders throughout their journey. Jolson is also our exclusive legal partners. We're the Bay HQ and I'm Amma, and this podcast is powered by HSBC Innovation Banking. So, Rani, you're a big advocate of HR 3.0. And if I'm being honest, I didn't hear about that until about half an hour ago when we were chatting. So it would be great for you to introduce the audience to this idea of how is HR evolving and what is HR 3.0? Yeah, no, totally understand. Um, And it's something that is fairly new to the HR profession as well. Um, You know, I think with any industry or any sort of businesses, they're always evolving. You know, we've seen web 2.0 etc and, and and so on so it's inevitable that sort of operational teams will also evolve over time and will focus um their attentions into different areas as well so um hr 3.0 is really very much taking um a viewpoint of hr into the new era um post covid um there has been so many changes um, around HR practices, what they've needed to do, what they've needed to prepare for. Um, and it's been amazing to see, actually, in some ways, the evolution and the um, transformation um, over the past four years as, as it stands now. But 3.0 is um, effectively taking operational HR into a more strategic di- direction. Um, and it's giving a framework into what HR effectively has been doing anyway, but actually it's now acknowledging it and recognising it and providing the right tools and the right uh, strategy to think about how the HR or people and culture functions can really help um, businesses to succeed. Um, so effectively, you know, HR, it, you, you know, the, the gambit, you know, everybody's like, oh, HR will know what to do or HR knows, uh, the policy, et cetera. And, you know, if I could get a, a pound for every time somebody says that, I'd be very, very rich. But, um, uh, effectively the, the model now is designed to think about HR as being almost like product managers. So very similar to perhaps how you as a business will be creating a service or a product for, your um, your uh, consumer base, your client base, um, effectively HR has to do the same thing. They're also becoming more relationship brokers. They're becoming psychologists in a way. So I've always termed HR to almost be like life coaches um, because you're, te- you're seeing individuals coming and joining the organization and you see them develop, you'll see them change through their sort of career path and also personal um, circumstances too. So we always try and look at it from that perspective of an informed approach as to what makes people tick, how to motivate them, how to retain them and see what's best uh, in, for their interests. Um, also, is looking at still maintaining the operational processes. That's always going to be there. You're never going to get away from policies, unfortunately. 
Um, but it is designing them in a way so that they are more um, human and they're becoming um, far more um, easier to translate and communicate. Um, you know, there's gone other days where everything is so strict and um, there are, you know, opportunities to have that, uh, you know, common sense approach and having people take accountability um, but giving the right uh, messaging and protection and psychological safety in a way for people to feel like they are being, you know, looked after whilst they're work- working in their in their organisations. And also looking at systems. So becoming sort of designers in a way of how that um, uh, employee life cycle works with them, everybody individually. You know, what is the, uh, the tech that's going to be required? What's the, you know, performance measurement? Um, indicators, etc. How would that be uh, measured? And, and really looking at that sort of analysis of the information to give a more informed decision approach. Because I think all too often HR can often be um, considered to have very much of a you know a, people would think they have a very sort of uh, subjective view, not an objective view, which is what we're trying to to move away from. Um, so overall, that kind of gives you an overview of 3.0. Um, and it's still very early stages and it will take a lot of time for organizations to, to get, to get there. But I think for entrepreneurs and startups, if they take that approach now, when they're starting up and they're scaling up, it becomes a lot easier for them to really develop to what the generation is now looking for. So looking at that as well, you mentioned about a huge part is treating people like humans, right? And not just the processes and going through that. In terms of that understanding the individual employee, the individual human, there's obviously different personality tests and things like that. What's something you'd, how do you look through that lens of how do you try to define these characteristics and understand those people? One of my sort of passion areas, um, uh, is, and it's only been in the, you know, the last few years that I've actually looked into this in more detail, um, is neuroscience and psychology. Um, and, and looking at those, uh, those subjects and looking at their techniques and what they, um, you know, the, the, the ideas have come forward as to how to, um, assess individuals or how to, um, understand the traits, their strengths, weaknesses, um, what motivates them and so on. There has been a, a quite a, a big movement now within HR, um, uh, practices to start looking at, okay, uh, we know that everybody's an individual and that's what we have to kind of consider is that there's no one size fits all approach anymore. Um, and what we want to really identify is those um, strengths and weaknesses that we can work with those individuals, but also matching them to the right environment, to the right people, to the right managers, um, so that the success of them working together in that partnership is as as best as possible. Um, All too often, when anybody sort of scales up, um, you know, a new organisation, etc., they don't take the time to look at individuals and you know, on that basis, it's very much a case of only on the tasks that they could be doing, um, or that they just need to have bodies in to complete, you know, the work that needs to be covered. Um, and that sometimes leads down the line 
problems um, that can be faced when you know there is a clash of those different working styles or different personalities. Now, I don't say that um, necessarily oh, everybody has to be the same or that, you know, you have to have a perfect match, but it's worthwhile to have an understanding from the outset, if you can, um, to look at, okay, who's going to be best placed to work on certain projects or certain clients? Um, you know, what qualities do they have that, um, you know, uh, another person that potentially doesn't have that we can then transfer um, that knowledge across to um, as well. So it is a, it's around cross collaboration and it's around identifying all of those strengths of individuals that are going to be motivated and, and do well. Um, but equally, it gives everybody a bit more self-awareness. Um, you know, I've done a personality profile testing a few years ago and it was, it was an eye opener. It really was. I was just very scared as to how much it really knew me, um, and got that sort of sense of, you know, who I was as an individual. Um, and there's quite a few out there that people can use, um, free ones or paid ones, paid options as well. Um, but I've found they have been really great at identifying for me, um, where my perhaps are blind spots, where I potentially don't necessarily recognize I could do better in. And um, it's helped me to develop and really focus my intentions on what I could do to, you know, improve on my performances or my relationships, because it's all about relationships at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, I always do know that people feel, you know, a bit anxious about personality profiling or, uh, you know, these tests, you know, how how open can they really be? You know, is it like horoscopes where you're sort of pigeonholed into a certain characteristic? I mean, it's helpful to have these different dynamics of different personality groupings. Um, but I would never say um, uh, that, you know, that should be taken as gospel. Everybody is very different and it depends on the day that you're taking that test and that time frame. Um, so we always say, you know, regularly have uh, at least a 12 month gap between doing sort of profile testing anyway. So one thing is like, as you said, like lots of people are very aware of these areas and they want to do this properly. But sometimes it can be a case of in a startup or a fast growing company where managers might be like, oh, I just want to get stuff done. Like, why do I need to care about this? personality tests and from a zoomed out perspective you can say okay this is the best way to do it how do you get people on board so they pay attention to these these tests and these personality profiling and actually change the behavior based on it right so if somebody let's say somebody works best when somebody communicates them in a certain way how do you try to ensure that the people who are in charge actually use that as opposed to, like, oh, cool, that's great information. I'm going to go and do the things I want to do. Um, it's it's a tough one sometimes. There's people that are going to be more on board with these sort of things than others. Um, and it is really, um, it's working with those that have got, you know, that sense of, you know, with any new project or new idea that you're trying to roll out, is doing a pilot with a, a group with that have, you know, a, a good sense of, um, commitment towards it and input towards it. So buy in from, you know, those senior people that, understand you know the the reasons why to utilize it and the way that um we utilize it is that we um assess those individual sort of profilings because it gives you sort of an idea of what manager style they prefer or what management style they prefer to um, delegate to others um and really giving an idea and saying you know spotting any issues or um 
you know, strengths in those particular traits that we're able to then say, okay, uh, this is what's most important to this individual. So it could be around, they like to have more regular communication. So they like to be up to date on a, you know, um, you know, biweekly process, um, or, you know, everyday process. It, it, it can be whatever, you know, that individual requires. Um, but also it could be a case of, I'd rather be, um, given an outline of instructions and just leave me to it. Um, and then I'm, you know, best working in that way rather than being micromanaged on every sort of aspect of that role. Um, so it can really give a direction for those that are working together on a more frequent basis to say, okay, this is the management style that they produce uh, that, that have been reported. You know, let's try and see, okay, is that in line with how you manage them? Is that in line with how you work with them? And if it isn't, let's try something new um, and try it out and see if that makes a difference. Um, so it is regularly checking in with those people to see, you know, how much of a difference that has made. Um, and then obviously assessing and then, you know, communicating more widely to perhaps the more sceptical people um, around the benefits of utilising this. I mean, one of the things we did initially was that before we announced it or released it to anybody in the firm, um, we got all the senior leaders to do the personality profiling tests. And they all, they all found it really helpful um, because it just gave them not only a, a perspective of how they view themselves, but how others may view them. Um, so, uh, you know, it, 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 it's really sort of interesting, um, that some, you know, found it really, um, insightful and thought, you know, this has been really helpful and it's helped to change how they manage people or how they actually communicate in, in, in the business. Cause that's effectively, you know, the benefits of, of any of these sorts of testers is, is helping with their relationships and communication primarily. Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying this episode so far. A quick note from our sponsors who make this all possible. From first-time founders to the funds that back them, innovation needs different. HSBC Innovation Banking is proud to accelerate growth for tech and life science businesses, creating meaningful connections and opening up a world of opportunity for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Discover more at hsbcinnovationbanking.com. Back to the show. So personality profiling is one area of this, right, in terms of HR 3.0. And obviously, you've worked in different types of HR teams, and like it's evolved over time as well. What are some of the more recent changes maybe you've made in the way that you look at HR that have really been beneficial? And maybe people listening today could try out those methods too, as well as, say, personality profiling and really make a difference to their companies and the way that their teams are being run. I think definitely having um, more regular feedback sessions um so employee engagement surveys they used to be just you know once a year and you know that they, they would always be you know a, an overview i think doing more regular pulse surveys have been really helpful in that sense to get you know real time feedback from people um and gaining their input onto you know the strategic direction that we want to move in and move towards other than that i think it's really been helpful for hr team members to take that more informed approach to become a bit more strategic um, and, and be more analytical um, i very much review over all of our sort of systems or the reports etc that we generate um, and looking at those sorts of trends that we 
um, you know, think potentially could be causing any issues or that um, we, we, we need to sort of uh, look into a bit more detail. Um, and also, you know, those kind of market reviews. And, and I regularly speak to a number of other market, um, uh, you know, other leaders in the market to make sure that we're in, you know, aligned, we're on the same track and that we're all moving in the right direction. So what's interesting as well, so with Jolson, you work with, Jolson works with so many different startups. And as you said, you work with different market leaders and you're going to not only see HR in your own firm, but also what other people are doing and what's working, what isn't. What are some of the mistakes you think a lot of people make when they look at HR, especially in the early stages of trying to scale up, where you can help them avoid it today? Like, what's some of the things you want them to hear so that they don't make the mistakes that you're saying that screen being like, why are you doing that? I haven't seen many, I have to say, um, where people are, are not getting it right. Um, I think in today's day and age, in terms of HR professionals, um, you know, there's quite a few that have taken on board this new um, sort of version of HR, sort of the 3.0 uh, coming on board. And I think there is a lot of... Um, uh, free information out there from, you know, um, lead market leaders or, uh, sort of consultancy groups that, that are out there to provide that assistance. But I think one of the things I would say is, um, don't try and do it all at, all by yourself. Um, get that sort of expert, expert advice and expertise wherever possible. Um, because, it, it can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, HR, it's, it seems to be a catch all for everything. And I think it is really important to put that investment um, towards people to make sure that there is the right resource for what your strategic aims are. If it's just about, you know, you want somebody to do the operational side of things and that's all you're interested in at that time, then, you know, you, you need to bring on somebody who is just on that, that mindset of, you know, being able to be a solid, dependable person to do the operational sides and, and keep things moving. But if you're thinking about strategically, you want to be that kind of role model employer and thinking ahead, then you do need to think about bringing on somebody in HR that is able to make those decisions and giving the mandate to them, um, to be on the leadership teams and to be on the forums where, they can make that difference. So before we move on to quick about questions and everything, is there anything that you really want to cover that we haven't covered yet that you think is going to help the audience? Remembering HR is human too. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a tough one. I do understand it. You know, when people talk about HR and, and, you know, the policies and procedures and, and so on. And I think, you know, what helps um, you know, me in my business is for people to understand that, you know, there is a person that's dealing with this in the background and they, you know, they are the, the kind of the, the relationship between senior managers, the business and the people. And all too often, um, they may not necessarily see what's going on in the background. Um, you know, where HR is really trying to make a difference and deliver on changes. Um, but may not necessarily see them coming through or filtering through um, quickly enough or, um, you know, at the level that people are potentially asking for. So I think if that's the only one thing I can say is that, you know, um, give us a bit of a break. <laughs> is there anything that you're really excited about yourself to like try to implement in the future that maybe you haven't done yet? Or like in terms of the HR space where obviously there's so much, like you said, inciting neuroscience coming through where, Maybe you haven't had a chance to test it yet. But you're like, oh, I'm looking forward to trying to introduce that in the future. 
what's exciting for you at the moment in your role that you're looking forward to that's keeping you waking up in the morning and being excited for your job working with yourselves actually in terms of working with different networks um and you know bringing that connections wherever possible um I think, you know, I have seen um, in, you know, industries and in, in, in the legal practice for a long time, there is, you know, those kind of very established formats of networking, et cetera, which doesn't always necessarily translate as well for underrepresented groups. Um, so I'm very much, you know, keen on building um, those connections for groups and finding, you know, those potential uh, network partners um, that, are out of the ordinary so yes that's what I'm excited to do and uh, definitely keeping uh, you know um, the the people engaged and and excited about all of these different opportunities. Awesome so thanks so much for everything so far we're going to move on to the quick five questions now so first one is who are three British stations that you think are doing incredible work they love to spotlight and the audience should be paying attention to? My three names um is uh Jaina Bala. She is a co-founder of a network group called the Brown Girl League. Um and she is also a um uh just recently is um qualified through her apprenticeship um and has been uh, recognized and awarded on this. I came about um the Brown Girl League through LinkedIn and I'm just amazed at what the co-founders have been able to do. Um and Jana in particular I think has been uh, you know fantastic at building that profile um for professional um Asian women um from all different backgrounds etc that helps them to have that network those conversations with role models and with leaders as well. Um, my second is, I, I know this may, uh, I, I mean, I completely fangirl about this, but Raj Korkela, <laughs> um, mm. because I think she's doing an amazing job again, not only as a, um, co-founder herself, um, but all of the extra stuff with, um, the diversity, um, initiatives and obviously, um, thinking about how to give back to the Asian community in different ways. Uh, so I would definitely reach out to them. And uh, Simi Dillon, uh, again, is a contact actually that's come through your network. I've, I've, I've been following him a little while on uh, LinkedIn too. And I just think he's just got such an authentic uh, message and style of how he is building his business and how, you know, f- his inspiration and his purpose um, of, you know, why he does what he does. Um, is really very um, engaging. So I think, again, that is, um, you know, really interesting to see. And I definitely think that, um, you know, it's it's been uh, a great uh, role model. And I definitely would shout them out too. So next quick fire question is, how can people find out more about you, find out more about Jolson? And get in touch. Yeah, sure. Um, so find out about more about me. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't have my own website. Um, but uh, in terms of Jolson, um, you know, we are a commercial law firm based in the West End. Um, but we do work with some fantastic clients and we have some fantastic people that work for us. Um, it's something that I, um, you know, really enjoyed working here um, to build and develop, um, you know, the firm that we are now. Um, and yes, we're really proud of what we've achieved so far. And then next question is, 
how can the audience help you? So people listening right now, is a way that they can help you, help Jolson or contribute in some way? So at Jolson's, we're really proud of becoming a B Corp. Um, we became a B Corp uh, certified organisation last year. And one of our commitments is really to work with other B Corps and to also help other companies and organisations to um, move on to that journey um, to become B Corp certified themselves. So um, one of the things that we'd love to do is to help other organisations around that, you know, talking about their journeys and potentially um, looking at as to how we can potentially um, provide assistance with that process too. Um, but also, you know, from a personal perspective, I love to have, you know, networks of different groups of people that um, may, you know, find this message aligns with them that, you know, I'd be happy to have them reach out. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on today. Have you got any final words to the audience? Be true to yourselves. Um, I think that's one of the things that I would say is learn what your passion is, what your purpose is, and definitely um, pursue it with all your energy and all your might, because I think, you know, once you find something that you're really, really passionate about, um, it becomes easy. It's an easier way of dealing with things. So um, definitely um, learn what's what's important to you. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.